0: This is Live Wired in Calgary. Hey everyone, welcome to the February edition of Live Wired in Calgary. I am your host, Darren Krause, editor at LiveWireCalgary.com. We have a great show to bring you this month, right from my home office situated on traditional Treaty 7 land. Of course, the show isn't possible without the support of the team here at CJSW 90.9 FM. February has been a really busy month. There is a lot to talk about. After last month's show, I received some positive feedback on the adjustments to include some smaller segments in the show, so we're going to continue with that. It allows us to cover a bit more ground here to keep you up to speed on what's happening in Calgary. This month, we're going to talk about what some are calling the hollowing out of inner-city services, most recently involving the announcement that the Eau Claire YMCA will close permanently. We'll also touch on the 0% tax cap for Calgary businesses and what it could mean going forward. We'll bring you a clip from a newly formed political action committee called Look Forward Calgary, and we will round out the show with a quick clip on a conversation I had with Luke Azevedo, Calgary's film commissioner, about the excitement in Calgary's film and television industry. There's lots to bring you this month, so let's get at it. Calgary businesses will likely see their 2021 tax rate capped at 0%. Yes, you heard that right, at a cost of 44 million to the city of Calgary. Originally, it was going to be capped at a 10% increase, and that would have cost the city between 15 and 20 million. First, we'll run two clips. One from Councillor Farkas, who sponsored the motion, and the other from Mayor Nahed Nenshi, talking about something called the bow wave. Have a duty
1: to deliver. So these are unprecedented and brutal times for local businesses. Those who are bearing the brunt of some of these increases are some of those who are least able to pay due to public health orders. So committee, uh, I hope, we will consider this. We are handing the next council a good financial position to work with especially given the amounts that uh, would be still available within the Fiscal Stability Reserve if this were to be off for us. So, committee, please support this. We have to do absolutely everything in our power
2: to help these businesses survive and with every single tool at our disposal, regardless of whether you like it or not. So I'll just say that um, I'm very sympathetic to everybody here, and I'm not quite sure um, how I'm going to go on this. I am very worried about the Vow Wave. Um, I think that we can afford to take this to 6% and set aside that money. I prefer to go to 5% because it's a nice round number, uh, which we can also afford. But I want to, can you just go back, Jordan, to the slide, the complicated, that one? Yes, thank you. I really want people to look carefully at this, which is remember that every time we do one of these PTPs, it's only for this year. So, the big increase that you were supposed to get last year flows through into this year in Moses. And so there are some advantages to saying, look, we can uh, this has been a very, very weird year for a lot of businesses, not all of them. Remember that those large format uh, warehouses, the reason they went up so much is precisely because they had a great year in business as people have been shopping online so much more. Um, so at some point, you got to let the market do its job. And what I'm worried about, and I can be convinced, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen very carefully to the debate, because that's why I said at the beginning, I suspect we're going to have some discussion on this, because I would like to go to 6 or 5%. I'm worried if we go all the way to zero, we're setting a really bad expectation for the next council, because people will then get a whack increase the following year, because we've said many times this will be the last PTP, Next council could change their mind, um, but we have said that and I really don't want people to get a giant whack by getting two years in a row of tax increase increases showing up on their 2022 bill. So I'm worried about going all the way to zero for that reason. Uh, I don't mind the $44 million. I think we can afford it, um, but I'm very worried about the impact that will have on people when they look at their bills next summer.
0: The bow wave should be concerning the city's been subsidizing a portion of Calgary non-residential property taxes for five years in something called the Phase Tax Program, or the PTP. If you think of a bow wave from its original meaning, which is what happens when a boat pushes the water out of the way as it cuts through, it's merely displacing the water. That's what's happening here. Yes, The city is helping struggling businesses each year of the PTP, but by doing so they are making the problem worse each year. It's just shifting to different non-residential property types from year to year. See, we know the city's budget increases every year. So the amount of tax money needed increases. If that tax revenue gets pushed off annually and covered by the city, At some point, it will need to be covered by the businesses. So, in essence, the problem actually continues to worsen. The city doesn't have a plan to fix it either. They expect, with the bump in the post-COVID economy, that they'll see some sort of relief. But that money needs to come from somewhere, and at some point there will be a reckoning. Or another PTP. YMCA Calgary announced Thursday last week that they wouldn't be reopening the Gray family Eau Claire YMCA when public health measures were relaxed. They said the permanent closure was a result of escalating costs, lower membership and inflexibility with the current operations at the facility. This was obviously compounded by COVID-19, though they did say that the pandemic didn't force the closure as the problems were there before. On top of that, I also learned from Councillor Evan Woolley that the Beltline Pool likely won't reopen in its current form either. So what does that mean for recreation options in the area, and the attraction of the inner city in general? We talked with Peter Oliver of the Beltline Neighbourhoods Association and Evan Woolley, both of whom shared strong opinions on the topic. First up... Peter Oliver
3: I, I mean it just makes no sense uh, it, it's the city turning its backs on existing neighborhoods and we've seen this time and time again we get all this investment um, and there's all this money available to build new communities and these new multi hundred million dollar recreation centers and um, um. But then uh, when it comes time to just keeping open the existing uh, services in in existing older neighborhoods and established neighborhoods, um, they just let everything hollow out and and fall apart and and don't have the money uh, at the end of the day. And I think it's it's outrageous that uh, Recreation would be proposing this and it's completely counter to the city's objectives of uh, absorbing new residential growth in existing neighborhoods.
0: Here's Councillor Evan Woolley. I,
4: th- I think there's been a massive failure of leadership at the city of Calgary uh, in regards to uh, to that question, which is when you have the director of recreation, who's the head of uh, the live component of the downtown, right, of our, mm-hmm. of our downtown strategy, Making decisions and facilitating closures of recreation facilities in a time when the city of Calgary has more money in its reserves than it did in 2013. How can you rationalize uh, those two uh, th- those objectives with those today with those decisions today? Right. And I have a lot of questions for the city manager
0: mm-hmm.
4: and the general manager of community services around who's accountable for those decisions. I would, I would like to take responsibility for that, but when they put those decisions in front of me that have already been made minutes before they're announced, it's very difficult for me to help find... Help them find
5: solutions.
0: Um, a lot of people would say, though, that there were no solution. There are. I mean, you'd mentioned the the Beltline building is old. I know that I've talked with John Carlo about the Inglewood pool. What kind of money are we going to be able to pour into this? That's there
4: are a lot. lots of different opportunities to make investments in recreation outside mm-hmm. of swimming pools. Right. The fact is that the recreation department at the City of Calgary makes almost zero programming. And operating investments in the downtown today, right? It's not. It's not like we knew these facilities became outdated the day we closed them.
5: Mm-hmm. We've
4: known for years about this. We've known for years as we're making hundreds of millions of dollars of investments in our in our far flung suburbs, in brand new facilities for the people in those neighborhoods. When the goose that lays the golden egg, which is the center city, mm-hmm. our recreation department has allowed these facilities. To crumble in front of their eyes as they're making brand new investments in in, 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 frankly, in neighborhoods where some people don't even live is 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 unacceptable and uh, and and calls to account. Uh, there needs to be calls for serious accountability. The
0: city said they are working on recreation plans, including a pool study, and that would be delivered in May of this year. But, as Oliver pointed out, on one hand the city wants established area density, but services are being hollowed out. It's an equation that has many puzzled. It also came up earlier this month with the closure of Ross-Kurok School. Inner city schools are closing, and there's no plan for where kids will go to school as these established areas grow. I think it will be one of the biggest problems for the next city council to tackle in the upcoming municipal election. If you don't yet know what a political action committee is, also known as a PAC, you will by the time this year's municipal election is over. Rule changes have allowed PACs to fundraise and spend limitlessly in the upcoming election they're also known as third-party advertisers you may have heard of different packs popping up like take back city hall or calgarians for a progressive future but the newest group is called look forward calgary i talked with two members of their board of governors irfan Rauji and patricia phillips late last week on the launch of their organization i am meeting you for the first time and you tell me that you are a part of Look Forward. What is Look Forward?
1: Sure. Uh, Look Forward's been an initiative that Patricia and I have been volunteering with for uh, a few weeks, uh, maybe actually now a few months. And it's been a group of Calgarians that has come together to support the election of a city council who will build a thriving, inclusive, and resilient Calgary. We look at the challenges that we all face uh, across the country, whether it's economic or the pandemic or those together. And In Calgary, we think there are even more challenges uh, than in most other places, and we think we're going to need to see uh, real leadership to pull us through this. Um, you know, We'd like to see a city that is more resilient than the city we currently have. I think it's not lost on Calgarians that we've had challenges, and we need to be able to, to push through these challenges uh, and also think through the things that maybe we don't, we don't see right now so that we can actually be resilient in the future and, and push through challenges that we don't see coming right now. Uh, the second thing you know, around this, uh, after being just resilient, is also being inclusive. Like we want to see opportunities for all Calgarians. We do worry uh, that there are vulnerable populations that are being left behind and, and that's just not sustainable. Uh, we need a city that thrives. You know, uh, we need a thriving Calgary for everyone who's already here. Uh, we have to invest uh, locally in the economy to make that happen, to make it more diverse and to build the capacity uh, to ensure that we have quality of life. And so you know, in its totality, look forward is simply citizens uh, from across Calgary coming together to think through how we can build policies and then eventually elect a council
6: that can achieve these three objectives. And and that's and I just wanted to add, Darren, um, that we have been uh, researching a lot of the issues that really matter uh, most to Calgarians. I think that's one of the things that uh, we believe uh, the leadership uh, does not represent at this stage of the game. And so we are, uh, look forward, is very, very much exploring all those measures and we are focused on endorsing candidates based on the outcomes of, of those issues. And I think that's one process that we have in place um, that will really um, provide a framework um, to engage um, the citizens of, of Calgary in the upcoming election.
0: So what do you see as some of those issues? Uh, we might as well get right into it. Um, you'd mentioned that you have information on what some of those those top issues are to Calgarians. Um, what does the group see them as?
6: You know, the
1: issues are not going to be surprising, Darren, that uh, the Calgarian. Uh, the Calgarians see as being challenging. I think that we all view the economy and uh, the revival of the economy in Calgary as a critical thing, so job creation is really important. Quality of life is very important uh, to Calgarians. Climate security is important. Uh, Public transportation is important. Uh, Local safety and security, equal access to opportunity, these are things that that, that Calgarians all view as important as coming out of some of the early research that we're doing and the conversations that we're having. Um, at a grassroots level. But I think the most important thing, um, there that we're thinking about isn't just the issues that we think are, 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 top of mind for Calgarians, but it's actually the approach. The approach that we're taking is one to be fact based and evidence based and outcomes oriented. It's not to be, you know, partisan. You know, I think that one of the challenges I think that I personally believe, and this is not a look forward statement, but I personally believe, uh, that we have uh as a, as a city is the vitriol that we allow to happen in our politics it doesn't do anybody any good to yell and scream uh at each other or to yell and scream at our elected officials you know the fact that there's a pandemic you know isn't not anyone's fault you know the fact that there is you know been a crisis in uh in the
6: oil and gas markets isn't Jason Kenny's fault uh but somehow we think that by yelling at our politicians we we get to an answer that's
1: productive, and it just isn't. And so we think that we need to approach these issues, that we all know are issues for for, for uh, in a productive, fact-oriented, evidence-based, outcomes-oriented way. And so I don't think the issues that we are seeing are any different, but we fundamentally believe that the approach to actually solving them uh, needs to be different than what we've necessarily all done historically.
0: So I do want to ask about that um that idea of of PACs. You know, for a lot of people, it is a little bit of a I guess for lack of a better way to put it, guys, it is a little bit of a, a dirty word. The the province opened up the idea of of allowing third party advertisers and didn't really put a cap on on some of the fundraising and it has a lot of people a little bit worried about um, who's going to be influencing the election. How has your group um, reconciled that or, or or thought about that, or have you just sort of accepted it as a part of the election process?
6: Sure you want to start on that one? Sure, I, I think it's just built a lot, um, to answer your question, Darren, built a lot on what uh, EarthM has already talked about. Um, we don't want to see big money coming into our municipal elections, and I think the process that we have in place where we have researched um, the issues that uh, matter the most uh, to Calgarians, which is very evidence-based, and the, the methodology that we are going through based on that to endorse the candidates make us very, very different than any other uh, PAC that's out there. Yeah,
1: so, I'd uh, add that, Darren, you know, I am concerned about uh, that yeah. as well. I mean, I Is highlighted that, uh, you know, we don't want to see, uh, big money come into our municipal election. I think that's one of the hallmarks of Canadian elections overall is that, you know, that we do have limitations on spending so that it can be more accessible. Uh, this is the framework that we're working in, so we need to be responsive to it to make sure that, you know, despite the structures that are out there, that uh, the proper conversations and, and, you know, and and productive discussion is happening, which is why we are so engaged with Look Forward, but we're very open. And I look forward is not a closed organization. Uh, membership is open to any Calgarian. We have a suggested, uh, membership fee of $21, but that's just a suggested members pay what you can. If you can pay zero dollars, but you want to be included and be a member of the society, you're welcome. And so we think that that's a very different approach, uh, than what you typically see with, uh, with PAC.
6: When I think Irfan, I think just how you uh, just how this all originated and with your with your not my, and my ideology, ideas of getting together <coughs> really i think is is uh, an endorsement of that uh, process. I know Dear and I um originally represented uh Bill Smith as the chair of his finance committee in the last election, and irfan uh, represented the uh, uh, uh as chair of his finance committee, so I think the two of us. Um, came together and we haven't really told them how that all originated Irfan, but I think it really um, yeah. it really demonstrates the, the thought leadership that's going into this pack is both like Irfan and I um, sitting aside saying we're not going to accomplish what we really need um, for all of Calgarians if we represent um, opposing views. Uh, we need to collaborate and, and understand what people want and move forward and put together a team that's able to
1: um, engage with Calgarians and execute on what they need. Yeah, I certainly was an active fundraiser for Naya. I mean, so Patricia and I didn't know each other in the last municipal election. Um, we've since got to know each other. <laughs> we've invested in each other's businesses. We both sit on the board of Glenbow Museum. We're both entrepreneurs. Uh, we're both really uh, concerned about the future of our city. Uh, and we discovered through getting to know each other that in the last election, you know, she was Bill Smith's finance chair and I was actively fundraising for Naya eventually. And we looked at each other and said, you know, we collectively care about this city. Uh, but we have very similar values. We think about the same issues in terms of equal access, the importance of climate security, um, thinking through, you know, the business environment and ensuring that we have a resilient economy, an inclusive economy, uh, thriving economy. Um, and so we saw so much similarity. And then we also looked at City Hall and saw so much vitriol. We said, you know, if we want our elected officials to, to act productively. As citizens and as fundraisers, we need to be productive, and so we should be coming together. Uh, this is a time where, where we need to come together as a city. We need to have leadership, and we can't afford uh, to, be, uh, to be fighting each other. We have to unite, and so it starts with people like Patricia and I saying, you know what? We're not gonna do this against each other. We're gonna do this together because it is too critical. We are at a really important juncture. It's too important. Uh, we have to get this right.
0: Like them or not, PACs are here and you'll get to know them well this election year. Don't forget though to look beyond the message of PACs and question the candidates directly on issues that are important to you. Be an informed voter. You can check out our running list of candidates and their introduction stories on the election tab at LiveWireCalgary.com. The Calgary area has had a successful film industry for decades, so much so that a purpose-built studio facility was constructed. That's the Calgary Film Centre. Now, right now, we're in a golden age of sorts in the entertainment industry with the explosion of streaming services online. Last week, Netflix announced that it would be opening a Canadian office. Not sure yet if it will be in Calgary, but it gave us a chance to catch up with Calgary's film commissioner, Luke Azevedo. The, the Calgary film television industry's had a lot of really, really good news lately, Luke. Um, yeah. This word that Netflix is opening offices in Canada, just another. Uh, sort of good news, sort of thing. What do you think this means? Like, does it mean anything specific? Do we expect a, a Netflix office here in Calgary, given our locale? What do you kind of get from it?
5: Well, I, I think you know it's it's important to note that Netflix has had a presence in Canada for a long time and uh has done well over two billion dollars worth of activity in uh, in the last while. So it's um, this is now a confirmation of the importance of Canada um, to Netflix even further than it has been as a partner, and now uh, to uh, create and access Canadian content. Um, so I think uh, you know it's it's uh, a different type of environment where Canadian content hopefully will play a, a larger part in uh, in how Netflix. Um, you know, uh, here in Canada, the the creation of that content, the acquisition of it. So I think it's a big deal for the production community across the country. Where they determine that they're going to locate the office is where it's going to be best for them for those activities to occur. And um, as I said, they have a presence here across the country. Uh, we here in in Alberta and specifically in the Calgary area have done Netflix productions uh, successfully and um, it's been good experiences for the organization and uh, hopefully we continue to do that. Of course we would absolutely be interested um in having an opportunity and uh, we've expressed our interest in having uh more engagement with Netflix and if this was a possibility Alberta would be very happy to uh to engage
0: so i mean let's talk about some of those things that that make calgary a good place obviously the location's good we have the film center we've got great crews uh, there's there's a lot of talk about more films more tv series being shot here uh-huh. At what point do we need to look at an even greater investment in infrastructure?
5: Well, Darren, that's a, that's a great question and something that's already started. So one of the, you know, so there's some things that are not really well known. So mm-hmm. part of the, uh, the way that film and television is attracted to an area and the way that it grows in that area, um, is very specific. So the incentive is the attraction. It brings uh, film and television into the zone. That's one of the main conversations. Obviously, these days, safety is the number one consideration. Safety in the fact that they could bring a project to a jurisdiction like Alberta and be able to start and finish that project. The crew base, the quality of the people in front and behind the camera, that is core because that helps you, uh, you know, you want to use as many local people as you possibly can helps you control um, the environment of the project, helps you engage a local marketplace that know their environment very well and can help make the project much more successful. Then there's the infrastructure, to your point. One of the things that happens and has already started to happen, Calgary Film Center was built. Uh, it was our first purpose-built facility in southern Alberta, and it has been a, a catalyst for attraction of productions. And now, based on us being in a global pandemic, even more so, because you can really isolate your project in the appropriate way and make it so that your safety protocols can be operated in the manner that you need them to be. Then you look at what other opportunities are. The Calgary Film Center fills up. What else are you going to supplement a purpose-built facility with? So we've had many conversations over the years and many engagements um, with our local uh, real estate community and developers who have have come forth and have enabled us to have facilities over the years um, that productions can operate out of. Now, um, we have other organizations that are studio owners and operators and um, technology and equipment uh, distributors that have now come into our region and have started to retrofit warehouse facilities, have started to invest in office, uh, here for equipment distribution and are engaging with the community and becoming part of the ecosystem, which then makes Alberta a more competitive landscape, uh, for the global marketplace. So we started to see this happen. There is also talk of the next phases of, uh, of purpose built facilities. And so when the, when you're production community the studios and the streamers are looking into a jurisdiction they take everything into consideration are there incentives sure and are they competitive are the crews what's the crew depth and the quality of the crew what is the infrastructure that's there and how do we um, ensure that we have what we need to get the project done and then layered over all of that is the safety aspect of the industry in that location. So we fit well in a lot of those areas and we're in a situation right now that is, you know, to the production season, it's been a great start. And should things continue, um, and us be, uh, continue to be enabled to, uh, to operate, um, and stay uh, in a safe place, we will have an opportunity to have one of the biggest years, if not the biggest, that this province has ever had in film and television.
0: Luke, are you confident that we have a lot of those things—the incentives, the the infrastructure, the crew base, um, and I guess ultimately the the will to put all of those things together in order to let us build on. Calgary's film success, or, or is there a danger that you know we're going to reach a certain point, and because we haven't put anything more into it, um, that we might we might lose out on some of this stuff.
5: Well, let's let's take a look at it from a, a couple different perspectives. First and foremost, the growth of the sector is uh, whether it's here or anywhere is really determined by the amount of work and so the excitement around this particular sector globally right now is it is one of the sectors that is in a growth pattern so with our you know uh, our unions and guilds and um, our associations they are uh, already proactively and have been for a while proactively uh, attracting some of the folks back that may have migrated to other jurisdictions because of the workload um as well as training Engagements with the post-secondaries and engagements with other sectors that we potentially have the ability to attract some of those, um, workers into our, our area as well. And then the consistent development and training and mentoring of folks both in the industry to move up in levels, um, and as well as at attracting skilled, um, labor and skilled folks into the area, and then from in front of the camera as well, building our capacity in that zone so the most amount of Albertans can go. From the incentive perspective, consistently working with government to get us to a point where we can be more globally competitive. And it's uh, you know the interesting part is that right now we're in a position where people see this as a growth area. Uh, not just folks that are in Alberta, but those that are from the outside looking in see this as an opportunity of a burgeoning industry that, that does production at world-class levels and has the potential to grow. So I think our government sees this as an opportunity. Um, we, it's been indicated that film and TV is one of the areas that's going to help us, uh, with this Alberta economy get back to a uh, uh, prosperity. And we want to be part of those, those conversations. We want to be part of that, um, you know, that reinvigoration of our economy. And we want to ensure that as many people as possible have the opportunity, um, to be successful because of film and television in this province. Because it's, it's about that. It's about creating an infrastructure here that has sustainability and long-term capacity
0: busy show this month it was fun my thanks to all the folks i interviewed this month and a special thanks to you for tuning in have a great march and we'll talk to you again in a month so long